Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. So if there's any speculation at all that I do my hair for Josh, I didn't, okay? And I, I was under the impression it's mandatory to fill in for Pastor Josh that you have to buzz your head like this, but I guess that's not the case. So, oh. So I did not know when Josh asked me to preach that I would be the one that would be blessed. Because you all here don't even know, but you've already blessed me. Now, last night I was up. Um, in fact, some of you may not know that much about me. Let me try to impart a little bit of a background so I can kind of get into what I think the Lord wants me to share. Uh, I guess the Lord does not want me to speak from my notes that I read last night and made. Um, I dropped out of college twice because I was terrified to take a speech class. I played basketball, and it was kind of mandatory that you take certain classes, and uh, I freaked out. I'm like, public speaking, not for me, and um, let alone radio. I've been in radio 35 years. Um, I still, every day before I crack the mic, I'm like, Lord, you, uh, you anoint some fools to speak your truth because I'm not equipped to do this. And somehow, some way, I think I've managed to do every show kind of honoring to him, although sometimes I kind of get my own little stuff and I get a little argumentative on the air because I'm fleshly too. I'm in a sanctification process. But, um, you know, driving over here, I, I, I caught myself kind of in this little inner conflict. Okay, Frank, you've got to get up. You're outside, which is a bit of a challenge. You want to engage people. You don't want people nodding off. All this inner dialogue, like somehow I'm here to perform. And literally, when I got off the 405 at Skirball, I'm like, whose voice have I been listening to? And last night, I literally prepared three messages. I probably won't get to any of the three. One is called the two greatest commandments. One is called the battle. And what is the other one? I don't even remember. Oh, the God of possibilities. I don't want to try to convince you of anything. I don't want to be charismatic and compelling. And I mean, this isn't about me. When I gave my life to the Lord 11 years ago, I radically got saved. And some of you may know my testimony. I'm going to share a little bit because I think it's important. Um... But again, I want the Lord to speak through me because you've all been through quite a, a battle for about a year now, right? And we don't know what is to come. We live in a state, and I'll be very nice, uh, that is different from other states in terms of the way it's being run. But here you all are, you're outside at a wonderful location, God's cracking the sun. We praise him. But we're, we've got some challenges here. I have a friend who just moved to Florida, and he's kind of one of those guys that likes to rub it in. And he'll send me selfies. He's dining at his local favorite restaurant. They're inside, no masks. Or he's at the beach. 
how's my California doing? And I'm like, thank God we're both brothers in Christ because I would be saying some things I probably would have to repent of. But I want to acknowledge you all that you're still here. I had dinner last night with a a warrior who's got a ministry among the many things he does. He goes to the Middle East and he rescues girls that have been kidnapped by ISIS. And he rescues them as a man of Christ with a firearm, a weapon. He doesn't go in there necessarily with just the gospel of love. In his words, he goes in and he, he hurts some people's feelings. Okay? But the whole little interaction last night, we talked for a while and we have this expression amongst men because we're kind of stubborn and God made us a little differently. Um, those of you that are married to a man, you kind of know what I'm talking about, I would think. But um, we have this expression, don't quit. No matter the circumstances, no matter what you find yourself in, do not quit, which is different from submitting. And as I was kind of praying this morning, like, Lord, what do you want me to share? I kind of got this sense, sense it's about submission. So let me tell you what happened to me. Um, how many have never heard me speak? And, and it's okay, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Oh, God love you today. Please, thank you for your patience. Um, so here's a short snapshot into my story. I was born in Cleveland. My father got a job at Universal Studios. We came out here when I was 10. Um, I never saw a beach in my life. In Cleveland, the river used to catch on fire. Everything was just dark and morose. And the, the first two things that I saw when I, I got to California was the beach. And I never saw a blonde girl before. They're, they're all brunettes. And I went to the beach and I'm like, okay, I'm home. And uh, I've been trying to leave ever since. Raised Catholic forced to go to church, really thought that's who Jesus was, all that stuff. Went to an all-boys Catholic high school that's now co-ed, Notre Dame in Sherman Oaks. And um, when I graduated, I made the decision, I'm done. I, I, I've had it with whatever I thought faith was, and I knew who Jesus was, and I'm good. And at the young age of 16, I said, I'm going to go out in the world and see what the world's got for me. A number of years later, I did what any young man does, trying to find himself. I went out and I purchased a motorcycle. Uh, June 17th of 1984, I think I've got my bearings right on the 101, wherever the 101 is. Um, on a Sunday, riding home, uh, in 84 there were no mandatory motorcycle helmet laws. And so I didn't have a, a can on my head and I had a woman with me on the back. And we got clocked. Uh, right near the Balboa exit by somebody doing 110 miles an hour. And uh, I saw it in my rearview mirror. I went to make a lane change, and all I thought was, this is it. No relationship with God, living for myself in full rebellion against God. And I remember uh, on impact when I was projected onto the freeway before I hit, I literally had a whole life review. It's very strange. If you've ever been in a traumatic incident, sometimes everything slows down. 
And I literally saw a life review. And what, what I came away from before I hit was I lived my life in fear. Complete fear um, in a lot of ways. Fear of uh, my insecurities, fear of uh, life, fear of what is to come, fear of what it meant to be a man. I had a horrible relationship with my father growing up, all of that stuff. But it's as if I just saw everything, and I remember if I survive this, that I will not run from fear, I will run to fear. So I'm obviously here to talk about it, and it's in my book. Um, but here's some of the things that I think are important to what God wants me to share with you today. I moved away for a while. I moved to North Lake Tahoe in the middle of winter, trying to get my head together and my life together. Um, oh, in terms of injuries, um, I sustained nothing. And even the doctor at two in the morning in the emergency room, I heard him yelling like he doesn't know how lucky he is that he's alive, let alone I had no broken bones. And I was cut up pretty good, road rash, looked like somebody had lit a match to my clothes. My clothes were basically burned off, and I had asphalt in all my extremities I had to scrub out. But for the most part, I survived fine. Moved to Tahoe and made this decision. I'm going to get my life together. Now, I'm, I'm guessing most of you are in a relationship with the Lord. There may be a few of you here that either don't know him or you were dragged here or you hear my radio program, you kind of got interested. But, but here's the point. I made a decision in my will that I would get my life together. Came back to L.A., fell into radio, and literally in a matter of about three or four weeks, I went back to my old ways, of which I don't need to get into all of, my, uh, all of the things I used to do that I've repented of, and I ask God to guide me every day to keep me away from self-destructive habits. Now, this year, March 13th, Friday of last year, was the first day we had heard that Dante, our son's school, was closed down, and we started hearing about this thing, and we had no idea, like none of us did. And I remember thinking, okay, we'll take this day to day, and it'll be over soon enough. Well, we're here a year later, and I'll circle back on that one. Circle back intended. I, I use those, that expression for a reason of which a few of you will get. Maybe most of you won't. So I come back to L.A., I start working in radio, I study and, and mentor under a New Age teacher. New Age is, oh, love everybody, all paths lead to God, there's no one way to God. Jesus is a, a prophet, a Lord of love, but he's not the, the king of the universe, let alone the risen Savior. And I fell into that for 21 years. Um, Achieved a lot of stuff by the worldly standards. You know, boy, I'm something special. Front page, LA Times, they call me New Age Guru, all that stuff. Now, truth be told, in my heart, I really on some level felt like I was serving God. The God of my own making. Surely not the true God of the universe. And so I did seminars and workshops and led 
thousands and thousands of people in this movement where we're all going to coexist and love each other, make this a better world, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Now, one of the interesting things, this was in the mid-80s, early 90s when I began. Now, um, simply put, New Age is kind of the worship of self. It's now our culture. New Age went from, in a sense, buildings and what looked like a, a, a religion to now our culture. Our culture is about the worship of self. And I'll get back to that one too. So anyway, New Age teacher, radio programs, doing all this stuff. My best friend gave his life to the Lord three years before I did. And I remember him calling me one day and saying, I'm now a Christian. And in my thoughts, because of my background and kind of my bad taste for what my experience was in a particular faith, what came out of my mouth was not the truth of my heart. And one of the things I want to I wanna really share with you today is we have to intentionally speak what's on our hearts in truth. I think sometimes good intention that we may be as followers of Christ or as Christians, we think we're supposed to say a certain thing. We're supposed to sound positive and uplifting and it's all good and God's got us and that's all true. But in my men's ministry and in my circles over the last eight years, I've met a lot of people, a lot of men that are leaders that say that and then Lo and behold, we, we hear about some of them have taken big falls. Some of them are in the news, and we're like, how can that be? In terms of the world and the witness to the world, it, it, it reflects poorly on us as followers of Christ, where the world sees that, and they think, why would I want to be a Christian, let alone a follower of Christ? And there is a distinction of which I'll go into in a little while. So what came out of my mouth when my best friend said I'd become a Christian, I said, that's great. If that makes you happy, I'm happy for you. The truth was in my heart, I was angry. I thought, don't become one of them. I'm going to lose my best friend. All that stuff went through my mind, but that's not what came out of my mouth. But because God is a God of, of redemption, over a three-year period, I watched his life completely change for the good. And that witness spoke to me very deeply. He never pushed anything on me. His older brother was a pastor, never pushed anything on me, but they just loved me for three years. We spent a lot of time together. We'd get in these exchanges about life and is there absolute truth? And I was so sure I had the answers as a new age guru. <clears throat> so on a December day in 2009, they invite me to play golf which anybody that plays that game, it's an evil game. Try to hit a little white ball is bad enough, let alone all the other stuff. So they invite me to play golf, but what I didn't know is they had decided to what I call do a Christian intervention. They had watched me become more popular and famous, and I was kind of buying into it. I had just been married to my new age soulmate, my wife. Our son was a year and a half. 
Life on the outside seemed good. Now, in truth, I've never struggled in recovery. My life didn't hit rock bottom. That's not my testimony at all. Quite the opposite. I, I was like at the, the, the pinnacle of success, which I think is the same thing as hitting rock bottom. Because there's a lot of people that, that, that make it, and oftentimes their experience is like, is this it? Is this all there is? Because if you don't have a relationship with the creator of the universe, you'll understand on a deeper level. This is not it. That's it. And while we're here, this is it and sharing it with the world. So we play golf and a bit of time goes by. And Pastor Dale, I don't know what hole we were on. I think somehow it was the third or fourth hole. I'm on the fairway approach. I've got an iron in my hand and I'm about to do a backswing. And he says, what's your problem with Jesus? <laughs> now in new age, we acknowledge Jesus. He's the Lord of love. They give him a lot of lip service, but no heart service, let alone no knee service. And I had a five iron and I wanted to share with Pastor Dale how much I loved his question. But I thought, okay. But I got a little defensive, and I'm like, no, I'm good with Jesus. We, we, uh, we love everybody. And I began to kind of plead my case. But for the first time in a long time, I began to recognize what I was saying felt really empty. My sense was it just it, it didn't hold any substance to it. And that kind of unnerved me because I committed 25 years previous to, in my will, get my life together. And I really thought new age teacher and all the things I was doing was kind of my path to God, who I thought was God. So things went by. We did lunch. They're hammering me for two hours. And I sat and I took it because I knew they loved me. They got me to say I'm a sinner, and I've done this, and done that, and do you believe Jesus died on the cross? And, you know, my Catholic days, I remember him in church, hanging on the cross, looking not well. And I mean, no, look, I've met more Catholics recently that are walking with the Lord than Christians that I know. So I'm not speaking ill of the Catholic faith. But for me, that was the relationship I had. It was a bad one. So at the end of all that, they said, well, you've, you've stated in front of God of the universe that you're a sinner, that you've done all these things, and they're like, I knew what they were going to do. They were like, well, are you ready to give your life to the Lord? Now, pride is nasty. Pride is one of the great sins. And in my pride, I said to them, look, if it's, if it's something that works for you, I'm, I'm very pleased for you, but I'm, I'm fine the way I am. I rejected it. And then Pastor Dale, and sometimes the way pastors can, he said something to me that literally penetrated to my core. He said, okay, Frank, 25 years ago, you were riding on your motorcycle. You know you shouldn't have survived. If you ride home today and you don't make it home, you have a baby boy at home, you have a new marriage, are you right with God? And he said, before you say anything, really think about it because you know 
You shouldn't have survived that, and you can die any moment. And it hit me pretty hard. But again, in my pride, I kind of rejected, and I said, no, I'm good with God. And he said, would you sit in your car and kind of meditate about it? He didn't say pray, although their meditation is a form of prayer. I was a meditation teacher, so he was speaking in my new age lingo, and he did the air quotes when he said, would you meditate on it? So I sat in my car, quieted down. We call it going to level. And I got really hot. And I'm thinking, do I have a fever? Am I sick? What's wrong? And I heard a voice that was as clear as anything you can imagine. And he just simply said, are you ready to submit to me? Now, we can get into the theological overtones of the word submit. It's not like, are you ready to hang out with me? Are you ready to be one of my buddies? Are you ready to call me your old man? Are you ready to submit to me? It's a sign of authority, a sign of royalty. And I had complete free will. And I said, yes. And then he said, pick up your cross and follow me. Now, 99.5% of you know, oh, that's scripture. I never opened a Bible. I never heard that expression in my entire life. In, in growing up in Catholicism, we, we did catechism where you kind of do a little Sunday school study, but not the Bible. Sat a little while longer, the sensation went away, nothing else was exchanged. <clears throat> And I picked up the phone, and I called my two buddies, and I said, I think I want to go back to church. I'd been out of church for 37 years. So I knew something happened. You couldn't drag me to a church. A good friend of mine got married in a church. I didn't go. I just didn't want to go in churches. But I said, I think I want to go back to church. So I said, do you know of a church? He said, I know of a really good church. Some of you may have heard of a guy named Francis Chan. His church is in Simi, Cornerstone. That was my intro into walking with the Lord. And Francis is a pastor that does not compromise. So my life got turned upside down. Um, my wife, let's just say, decided to take a little vacation. She said, I want nothing to do with you. Uh, what happened to my new age guru? Um, and, and I understand she came from a similar background. So to come to the Lord probably really terrified her, like, what, what's going to happen now? And I would like to joke and say I attributed to a midlife crisis, but I was 54. I was past midlife. But I knew on some level something very tangible and genuine happened. So I want to get to the fire of what I think the Lord wants to share with you, but let me just tie up a loose end or two. So five weeks later, when my life fell completely apart, best friends left me. Uh, people called me a whole array of names. Like, I was a big New Age teacher. I was Mr. Hugger. We'd go to dinner after my seminars, and everybody hung out a good time. To give you a little insight into how depraved my heart was, I mean, I wasn't malicious, but I met my wife at one of my 
lectures, and she reminds me, because we all go to dinner after, that night I invited her to go to dinner, and she sat next to my girlfriend and my ex-girlfriend. So that's where my mind was at. She married me. So after about 18 months, she came back. We started going to church. Lord really worked on her heart. She saw a change in me. She gave her life to the Lord. And so it's been about 10 years. We've been seeking the Lord through all of this. Uh, I took over the radio program from a brother who was killed on a motorcycle, who I got to know uh, in the summer of 2012. Uh, and a lot of interesting things to the story that aren't relevant right here, right now, other than to tell you this. If ever we've had opportunities to doubt our faith, it's been over the last year. And again, I just want to be really honest with you. I don't want to give you a message that's nice and, oh, that was wonderful, and then we walk out, and then we're three hours into a Sunday, and then Satan starts attacking again, and we don't understand that we're in a spiritual war. But the Bible says he is the father of lies. He hates us. He doesn't want us to have a relationship with the God of the universe. One of the struggles I have in the church is... And that's probably why I'm not a pastor of a church. I don't hear pastors talking about spiritual warfare all that much. I hear pastors, for the most part, and, and you're in a wonderful church. Pastor Josh is as solid as they come. But I've sat in churches where a pastor will kind of share out of the Bible, but kind of in past tense terms, like Jesus hung on a cross, we're redeemed, we're going to go to heaven. It's a really nice message but I, I sometimes check myself like I want to say, but what's Jesus doing now? How do we make it through today? Some of you have maybe have lost friends to suicide or, or you've relapsed or some of your family. People are being, have been taken out left and right over the last year, and I don't want to sound insensitive to the virus. It's real. I've lost three people three that were actually very sick before the virus, but they did pass. So Satan loves to speak a little truth and then mix it in with lies. Like on my program, when I, and I mean no disrespect to anybody, when I speak out against things like mask wearing or living in such fear or submitting to a governing authority, straight out of Romans 13, like we're supposed to submit no matter what, when the ones that are preaching the edicts don't even live it. You're in a church, it's open. Most of the churches in L.A. are still closed. We need the gospel. We need fellowship. We need to sit next to each other or stand next to each other. We need to see each other. We need to hug each other. God made us that way. And yet I believe on some level, spiritually speaking, the enemy has twisted things so much where we're afraid of each other now. We don't even see each other. At my work, it's mandatory mask wearing. And uh, there's a friend of mine who has a program before me on the other station. Some of you may know who Dennis Prager is. And Dennis will not wear a mask. And so 
We're in a building where it's signs everywhere, mask wearing, and Dennis never wears a mask. So I got on the elevator the other day and I didn't have my mask on. And I was just sitting there probably staring at my phone. And a woman walks up, staring at her phone, and she sees me and she screams. And I, I think it was kind of the Lord having some fun. I, my response was, I'm human. I won't bite. And if you want to come in, I'll put my mask on. And she kind of laughed, and she had an accent. And so she got on, and, and she said, oh, you're a rebel. Pardon me? She said, you only have one mask on. She said, on my floor, you have to wear three now. And I said, where, her, her accent clearly wasn't from Texas, but I often joke. I said, what part of Texas is she from? She says, I'm from Australia. And you Americans are so afraid. And then she got out and walked away. And I'm like, was that a word from the Lord about, are we really to live in fear? Now, that might not apply to anybody here. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself. But let me get more to current times and then share maybe a prayer in closing. Um, when I gave my life to the Lord, I had no idea what I was in for. It was just a moment where I felt convicted, no coercion. And truth be told, I've had many opportunities along the way to tap out. And many reasons, some of which are really logical, like, well, it makes sense if you tap out. But I, I, I never did, because I gave my life to the Lord at 54, and what happened was, five weeks after the incident I shared with you, a Bible came in the mail. Uh, Pastor Dale had mailed me a Bible, and um, one early morning, when I was on my knees and everything was falling apart, I thought, oh, I got a Bible today. Let me open the Bible. So I literally opened the Bible, and the book of the Gospel of Luke opened up to me. Now, I'd been in church five weeks at Francis's church, and I was a good Christian because I knew red letters meant Jesus. That's about as far along the walk as I had been. And I opened the Bible, red letters, there's Luke, and I read, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross daily, and follow me. It's Luke 9, 23. I was, I couldn't anything but just fall on my face. Like, that was undeniable. Couldn't make that up, never heard it. So in that moment, I truly gave my life to the Lord. I said, whatever is to come, I am all in. I was 54. I know you're shocked because I look 40 now. Right, Frank, keep telling yourself that lie. But I, I, I made the commitment, there's no way. He gave me this radio program I do. It's a high-profile Christian program where anybody can call in. And lately, over the last six months, it seems like the amount of antagonistic callers have escalated. And I, I tried to just ask God to use me and be patient and just try to speak truth in love. That doesn't mean agree with everything. But I've been in the front lines for a while. So when I gave my life to the Lord and I started experiencing spiritual warfare, I didn't know what it was. I didn't have a pastor to tell me. Francis left Cornerstone five months after I started going there. 
I had no discipleship. I just kind of figured it out by reading the Bible. When I got into Ephesians, I'm like, full armor of God, what's that? And I started putting it together, and I started reaching out to people. My brothers and sisters, we are in a battle. We are in a war. It's not a popular message. I'm not here to scare you, but I'm here to tell you, uh, those of you that are women and you have husbands, Satan wants to take out your husband. And those of you that have wives and you're men, Satan wants to take out your wife. And he wants to rip apart our families. And we're starting to see it in culture right now. And it's presented under a message that is secular, and we have to be very careful the way we speak out against anything that is anti-biblical. But I pray that you do learn to speak out in love to things that are anti-biblical. Because we, over the last year, have let ourselves get in a situation. We've given away a lot of our freedoms. And I really believe in some ways God is looking to us like, if you love me, if you truly follow me, then you will live for me, which means not compromising. One of my messages, the two greatest commandments, you all know Jesus was asked the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one, the world gives lip service to, love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love your neighbor as yourself, and first of all, That's a sermon in and of itself. What does that mean? So I got to love myself first before I love my neighbor. Mother Teresa didn't do what she did in a pursuit of self-esteem or somehow her ability to love was only marked by her own ability to love herself. Jesus said, deny yourself. So that whole interpretation, the world spins the second greatest commandment. It's a lie anyway. But the first one is what I want to loving you challenge, uh, lovingly challenge you on today. <sighs> Our son just turned 13, and uh, he's been home for the year. His school just went back. They're doing the um, being, as, as Pastor Josh is, everybody, everybody that is uh, adhering to some of the rules of the state, School's doing that. He's back in school. But here's the point of the story. Over the last year, we've let him partake in a lot of video games with his friends online. And this is kind of his way of staying connected. So about three weeks ago, I have a little little talk with him. And I said, uh, go get your Bible. I don't know where it is. Well, you better find it. I'll wait. Finally gets it, sits on the couch. He's like, Chris wants to play with me. What are we doing? I said, we're going to read the Bible together. Open your Bible. I said, do you know what the Sermon on the Mount is? No. Go to Matthew. Where's Matthew? You'll find it. You got 66 chances. Finds it. I said, start reading it. So we get into a conversation about idolatry. And I said, Dante, do you believe you love God with everything you have? Yeah, Daddy. I said, do you really? You're 13. You're a young man now. I said, 
To love God with everything you have as the highest priority means nothing else is more important. And he said, yeah. I said, are your video games more important than him? He just kind of looked at me. I said, I never thought about it. I said, well, think about it, and I want an honest answer. A few minutes later, he said, I think they are. I said, well, what are you going to do about that, son? He said, I don't know. I said, well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll come back to this. I really want you to pray about that and think about it. For us as the big people, I think we've got a lot of idols that we don't acknowledge. And I'm not here to beat you up. But a perfect indication for me is if you love God with everything you have, I don't think we would live in such fear like we do. Now, please, I want to be careful here because Satan loves to twist things. I say something on the radio. It's interpreted a different way, and then the mob is off and running. Um, and the dogs agree. I think part of the walk for me is to acknowledge I am afraid to die. You know, this... This is the answer to everything. But I've met so many people that say they're Christian that are so biblically illiterate, I want to lovingly beat them into the ground. Like, do you really read this? Not casually power through the Bible in a year, and if you're anything like me, if I sit down, or I'm going to read Matthew today, and it's like a speed reading thing, and by the end of 30 minutes, I've read it, but I didn't, I didn't digest anything. My buddy Daryl Strawberry says you have to eat God's words. You have to digest them in your heart and your soul. And this is as much of a challenge for me as it is for you. But if we really knew this is true, do we really live our lives like we believe this is true? And again, this may be, may be for no one here, maybe for somebody that watches eventually online, whatever. But I just don't think if we love God with everything, that fear would be as prominent as it is within the Western church. There's a lot of fear. And some of it is couched logically and rationally. I want to acknowledge that. But most of it is kind of a, a neurotic fear, like, I, I don't want to die. And again, we need to speak truth like I started. Say you're afraid to die. Give it words. Action, voice it. Don't walk around and say, you know, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Everything is good. And then, especially if you're a dude at 1 o'clock in the morning, you can't sleep. You're staring at your phone doing things you shouldn't be doing. So if we're afraid and we acknowledge it, then what? Do we really believe Jesus died on a cross? Do we really believe he resurrected? And I'm, I'm a guy that's more interested in knowing than believing because believing is just a belief system. It's not knowing. When you know who the risen king is, you know your days are numbered. He knows them 
For those of you that have hair on your head, that scripture always bothers me. God knows how many hairs are on your head. Really tough one for me. But if you really love him with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul, and you know your days are assured and he's got you, are we living our lives and showing the world? And I don't mean this in a way in which that can be interpreted, but, but I'll just say it. Do we really look like we live our lives fearlessly for him? Especially guys, I have a men's ministry. It's not popular because I, I beat guys in the ground. Like, stop being an idiot. Stop being a poser. Stop lying. Your marriage is a wreck. You're lying to yourself. Let's at least speak the truth first, and then let's seek him. And watch what he does in your life. We have a man camp next week. we got to be honest. We're good at self-deluding. Now, some of you may be going, okay, well, message is almost over. I'm not sure that God had anything for me. Well, I think he does. Where are we? That's music. Let me just share a few of the things that I wrote down last night. Interesting. My papers flew away. Whoever put this just, here's what's right in front of me. How do I submit to God? What happens if I do? Will others still like me? Letting go is scary. What will happen to me? Jesus said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and lonely in heart. You will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. That's Matthew. We are living at a time. God is putting breath in you at a time like never before in history with what's going on. Not only in our state, in our country, around the world. And I believe this to absolutely be the truth. We are seeing evil fully manifest. We're in a spiritual war, and God is calling us to speak truth, first with him, get right with him, and then follow him. God has a plan for your life today. It doesn't have to be dramatic, like you have to go to the Middle East and necessarily rescue girls that are kidnapped by ISIS. It could just mean driving home today and making the commitment, I'm going to spend 30 minutes with God. Or I'm going to start praying and fasting weekly, once a week. Or I'm going to and I hope one person applauds this, shut my social media down for a month. See, we're living at a time where there's a spirit of deception and distraction. If Satan can get you busy doing stuff, it's taking away from those sacred moments that God wants to reach you and speak to you and breathe life into you and love into you. You know, those moments where we, we, we think, well, I've got to take a sabbatical or I've got to go up in the mountains. I'm going to go spend time with God. God's right here. God's in the middle of the mess. God's in the middle of whatever you find yourself in. 
But as one of my dear friends once said, God is more willing to speak to us and lead us than we are willing to listen and be led. It's a will thing. And I just want to ask you lovingly, as we close here, would you just consider who are you living for today? Where's your will? And I know for me, it's a struggle. I I go through my will, and then I call it my will and thy will. If things are good, oh, I'm all in for, for Jesus. What a peaceful day. What a beautiful day. My wife loved me today. Oh, Lord, you're so good. And then when people people that you don't know threaten your life for your faith, that's a little bit of a, of a, a gut check right there. What do I do with that one? Satan's a liar. He's a coward, but Jesus even said he's about stealing, killing, and destroying. I want to send a sober message to you that what's going on in the world with this quote-unquote pandemic, Satan is using a lot of it to try to take you out. And Jesus says, no, just follow me. Pick up your cross and follow me. I, I will make the way. I'll make all your paths straight. I hear so much bemoaning in the church and, and guys I counsel. It's so tough and I can't beat my pornography addiction and all these things and I'm like, okay, you want me to, you want me to pat you on the back and be nice or do you want me to tell you the truth? And they actually look at me like, I'm not sure. <laughs> so I do a little nicey. Oh, it must be really hard. I'll pray for you. And then I say, if Jesus was sitting next to you right now, what do you think he would tell you? He loves me? Yeah. Spot on. But are you living your life like you love him? I don't know. Well, you do know. You're not. Time to really start doing that. Because there's no tomorrow. We're not guaranteed we're going to have a tomorrow. And, and all I can tell you is if, if, if I can stand up here and risk my fears of speaking in public and do radio for 35 years and have a men's ministry where thousands of guys have been saved, not by me, not by my staff, but by the only answer, and that's our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has your ministry already in front of you today. And your ministry may not look like that. It may mean, I don't know, God's putting this one on my heart, to call your sister who you haven't talked to in 10 years. It may mean, stop beating yourself up. One of the greatest ploys of Satan is shame. He just loves to, he's the great accuser. Oh, you're going to do that again? And... And here's one of the biggest messages I I miss hearing in the church, and then I'm going to close in prayer. We have the power and the authority by the blood of Jesus Christ to rebuke any lies from any overtures of the evil ones. But we don't know it. We don't live like it. 
especially dudes. I love my ministry. I love men, but we got a lot of guys that are little boys in men's bodies. And just let's talk about your daddy wound. Let's get all that out. But you have a father in heaven. And if you really knew that and you lived your life like that, your, your, your daddy who never loved you is never going to love you now, but he wants to love you right now and you're blocking his love. Holy Spirit said, okay, you're going to start preach, preaching here. Time to wind down. Because I, I, I really don't think God wanted me to come here and preach. You get that with Pastor Josh. You have, you have one of the best anointed pastors around. But I think God wanted me to just not rely on my notes, speak from my heart, say how grateful I am for you and how blessed I am to be here, and to just encourage you to be honest with yourself and don't get caught up in what may be to come. Don't make agreements with what if. What if tomorrow this happens? Or all of this stuff that you'll see in the media. Stop watching the media. Protect your mind. Protect your heart. From the beginning of time, there have been people in positions of authority and power that want to control masses. We say no. We're controlled by the king. But protect yourself. And then just know God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. He loves you. Here's the last thing, and I'll pray. Six years ago, we went to Israel. Who's been to Israel? Some of you. There are two spots that are acknowledged maybe where Jesus was laid to rest. One is called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. One is called the Garden Tomb. We went to both. I'm not here to say somehow I know the answer. It may not even be either. But when we went to the Garden Tomb, our son at the time was four or five, and it was closed. It was a Sunday. We didn't know they closed. We somehow knocked on the door. The groundskeepers let us in. There was nobody on the property. And here's my little son walking just to the garden tomb. Nobody told him where it was. He just started walking. He starts singing Amazing Grace. My little boy, who didn't even know God, per se, knew on some level. And we sat in that tomb, giving God glory and acknowledging him for who he is. He did die for us. He did raise on the third day. He's alive right now. He's here right now. And he's coming back. Maybe today. Maybe in a thousand years, I don't know. But I just pray, figuratively, and I'll be literally, literal here, I just pray that you, maybe something will later today hit. Something I share today will resonate with you. Or maybe you'll have a moment where God will really reveal himself in a different way. 
but don't quit. Acknowledge we're in the battle of our lives. Get in the fight and ask God to lead you and to speak to you what he has for you. He has magnificent things for you to do. You've done magnificent things in your life, but we tend to deny that stuff. And please keep coming to church and let those that may not know who he is, invite them to come to Legacy. I know you're going back on Easter Sunday. This, you're in a wonderful place. We need to be in church. Very last thing, and I'm going to pray. I get a lot of pushback from pastors because on the radio program, I said, you, all your churches should be open. They should be open. You should be in church, whether it's outside on a basketball court, whether it's in somebody's backyard, whether it's in a building. We need fellowship. Online sermons can only go so far. Amen? Preaching to the choir. Father God, we love you. Father, I just pray. <sighs> Father, we, we believe on some level that the very power that's in us by the power of the Holy Spirit is in each and every one of us. Jesus, you said you had to leave for the helper to come. And for those here that acknowledge that they love you, Lord, and they believe they're followers of you, remind them, speak to them by the power of the Holy Spirit you have in them, because we forget. We think it's all about us and our struggles. And Lord, this life is hard. It's a fallen world. But Holy Spirit, please speak to everyone here. Let them know you're there. They're not alone. That the enemy is a liar. And that we have wonderful things for what is to come. Be it for just one more moment in this very short life. Or for eternity. Lord, I just pray blessing over everyone here today. Every man and woman, husband and wife, family, young folks. that we can just sing your praises, Lord. And Father, we pray for those that are in positions of power right now that may not know you. We pray that only you, Jesus, can speak to them. We look at the Bible. Saul of Tarsus slaughtered us, hated Christians, oversaw the stoning of, of Stephen, one of our greatest saints, and yet, you met him on the road to Damascus. Maybe today there's somebody here that'll have a Damascus road encounter with you today. Father, I just pray you speak to them. And may we really open your word, Lord. There are brothers and sisters throughout the world that are literally being persecuted and killed. They don't even have access to Bibles. Lord, forgive us in the West. We probably have five, ten Bibles in our homes and we barely open them. May we understand anew the power that we have access to by reading your word. Father, last I ask that you bring joy into everyone's life here. Joy in a whole new way. Joy that's exciting to live under trying times where we don't know what's going to happen. Jesus, we thank you for the cross and for dying on the cross so willingly for us. Lord, we thank you for shedding your blood that we may be cleansed and renewed. 
Holy Spirit, please speak to your sons and daughters here today. For each day you give us, we honor you until we are all reunited again for eternity. I pray this in the name above all names, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I love you all. Thank you so much.